Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the film podcast where two movies with something in common go head-to-head to figure out which one absolutely nailed it. On this week's show, in the green room, we've got a pair of criminals on a mission from God in the Blues Brothers. While in the green room next door, we've got Ireland's greatest soul collective in the shape of the commitments. You'd better get bright, pal. we got a show to do. Then we got to figure out some way to collect that gate money. Get it to the Cook County Assessor's Office as soon as they open in the morning. Joliet, Jake and Elwood Blues. Two men with a mission, and only 11 days. Hey, what's this? What's what? Have you got soul? If so, the world's hardest working band is looking for you. Contact Jay Rabbit. I'm putting a band together. Do you need a singer? Wise men say... Well, what kind of music are we going to be playing, Jimmy? Soul. Soul? That's what you've got to measure up to, lads. Well, like, maybe we're a little white. But who is getting an encore, and which act will we boot off? You're about to find out in Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken! Hello, Clash Potters. I'm Chris Tilly. I'm Vicky Crumpton. And no, Alex, because he's ill. I can't go out. Uh, uh, I'm sick. Boo, you whore. You got anything to say about that? Sorry, yeah, get well soon. Get well soon, exactly. <laughs> get well soon. Get well soon, soon Alex. Um, it's a shame because we literally just received a message from a listener who said they joined Twitter today yeah. to tell Alex that his memory of the animal on fire is from the film Knowing. Yeah, don't join Twitter just for that. Leave Twitter now. It's a trash fire. Get out 
Well, you can. That's why I'm not on it. Yeah, but thank you uh, for that. Uh, we will pass it on to Alex on his sick bed. Um, it's not ideal him being away because these are his choices. Yeah, and they are very much his choices. I'll probably go into it either today or Thursday as to how this has come about. Right, it's quite strange pairing. Did he choose it? Kind of. I always, yes. I always think it's you. I know you do. <laughs> I know you do. You, I can talk you through the process of how this happened. <laughs> I wanted to do Sing Street and the Commitment. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. And my my colleagues Colleague. were not that into the pair yeah. and so I can't make you do anything even <laughs> though you say it's dictatorship so I went quiet and then Alex suggested Blues Brothers commitments I'm like is that does that work there is a lot in common though well he said he said yes and I was like well it get if it gets commitments over the line I'll take it okay and so that's how we end up here but it was so it was so long as I, it was just so long as I could do the commitments Oh, and then yeah. suddenly oh, yeah. there was a mess with the spreadsheet <laughs> and then Alex ain't doing Blues Brothers. And, and then you've, the you, well, you've read Commitments. I'd forgotten it was a book. And so suddenly it was like, well, I can't take it now. I know. So somehow I've ended up going from Sing Street versus the Commitments to me doing the Blues Brothers. Which is not ideal. Well, I mean, I've got a lot to say about the Blues Brothers, well, though. Someone does. It's just, oh, I, um, there's a lot to say. Yeah. What, starting with what is it? Yeah. We can talk about that for an hour. I know. I've got an idea. Um, it's my my estimation is it's a, a cosplay, a private cosplay party at which some filming happened. Sure, that's what. I think. Yes, yeah, and some partying. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Is it? But is it a film? <laughs> is it a film? It is. We will endeavour to answer that question over the course of the next hour. Um, so um, clues. Yes. Uh, Alex, I think his clue was a band apart. Mm-hmm. Sorry, this has been very last minute for me doing this prep. So I'm. I'm I'm hopefully going to get this right. I posted a clue saying that the we were ending with a live performance. Right. And um, from what I could see, we had one correct answer. Oh, my gosh. Yep. That's amazing. How does that feel? Yeah, I'm really good. <laughs> um, the winner is Paul Logue. Uh, congrats, Paul. Um, I think he's won before. I say so. But he's he's winning again. And your prize is a night of karaoke with the three of us. Yay! <laughs> what, what are you singing, Vicky? Oh, my God. I've just been refreshing my list. So, um... Uh, call your girlfriend Robin, just which I know isn't contemporary-ish because it's like years ago. But that's that's sort of shot to the top now. I'm I pretty sure that's brand new. That was so, <laughs> as far as I know, it was. Yeah, it's brand new. Uh, yeah, God, I'll have to I'll have to post my list on Twitter. I won't. It's no, don't. You're fine. You said one, Robin. It's Brilliant. very lengthy. What's yours? What's your go-to? I can't I remember. Know. I'll what... give him meatloaf or something. I don't know. What did you do last time we were there? I think I did Bat of Hell. Did you? I think you guys wandered off after we had a room to ourselves last time. I think you guys wandered off to the bar halfway through. <laughs> it's a long song. It's very long. That's why I love it. I just love the attention. Uh, right. Connection section. You said there's a lot. I've got tons. Okay. Are you ready? James Brown. James Brown. Singing in suits. Uh, God. The Muppets. Um, white people being inspired by or appropriating the music of African-Americans, depending on your perspective. No, sure. Uh, and Wilson Pickett. What, what, where are the Muppets? The Muppets, Miss Piggy gets a mention um, oh, yeah. in yeah. the Blues Brothers and in The Commitments, one of them makes a joke about playing the drums like Animal. Oh, very good. And Miss Piggy's in the Blues Brothers. Is she? <laughs> yeah, the man who holds up the oh, yeah, condom is Frank yeah, Oz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's another Muppet in the sh- in the shop. The guy's asking how much the Muppet costs when a, a car comes in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of Muppet action, actually. I'll be honest, when I was watching Blue Brothers, I thought this would go really well with the Muppet movie. Fine, yeah. Same movie. Um, uh, what have I got? Um, I think the lounge bar, Murph and the Magic Tones, is basically the same bar, uh, uh, band that plays in the wedding and the commitments at the beginning. That's a good point, yeah. Um, they're both 
there's also a weird thing that the soundtrack early on you hear songs by the band that's going to be formed later, yes. which is quite a strange thing yeah. to do. But yeah. um, good songs. Uh, those weren't very good connections of mine. Very good of yours. Well done. You've won you won that. You won. Um, let's get on with this. Uh, on Thursday, Vicky's heading to Dublin with the commitments, meaning I'm off to Chicago. So let me take you on a journey. The Blues Brothers focuses on two music-loving crooks who get a shot at redemption by reforming their band to play a gig that will raise funds for an orphanage which is a good idea for a movie. <laughs> However, the film also features about an hour of cars crashing, Carrie Fisher with a rocket launcher, loads of Nazis, some guy who likes cheese whiz, a used condom, Pee Wee Herman, a violent penguin, a car that does backflips, and Twiggy sitting in a car for a bit. <laughs> and Steven Spielberg, all of which might not be a good idea for a movie. Uh, that suggests to me, once again, uh, that cocaine is one hell of a drug. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Blues Brothers. Uh, when did you first see this movie? Oh, so this is the thing. I've never seen it. What? I know, and I've obviously my ner- I know it's much loved, and so I. But imagine seeing it for the first time. Yeah. at forty-one years. Madness. <laughs> it's madness. Mad. So you know, I know, I know of it. I recognise the motif. You know, the uh, the Blues Brothers in their suits and the music and all the rest of it. But you mentioned the other week. You were like, oh yeah, rocket launchers, Nazis. I was like, oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I mean. It's difficult to... It just passed me by when it came out mm. back in the day. Sure. I, I don't know. Well, it, it you were did. born. I was I was just being born. And so, and I just didn't ever catch up with it. I was never told it was bad. I was never told to avoid it. It just, just passed me by. Um, and now watching it, the, the sort of unstructured approach is not entirely for me, but I can see that there is a lot to love. I can see why people mm. adore it. What's, the, the, what's strange about you not seeing it is you like Ghostbusters. Yep. And they're both these brainchilds of Dan Aykroyd where yeah. he likes characters in you uniforms driving special cars <laughs> and he writes these as we'll get into these these things that aren't scripts yeah he just writes 400 pages and shoves it in a director's face and says make a movie and someone else goes yeah. i'll edit it and we'll do it <laughs> and it's the things he, I, I guess his, his three passions in life are um cars yeah music and he's obsessed with the um, ghosts you know he believes in ghosts <laughs> and so he's um, to be fair in the space of a couple of years he made it all happen for himself <laughs> Um, I, I mean, I never really understood what the Blues Brothers was. Did you see it when you were young, though? I did. I, it got re-released a couple of times when I was young. And so I think there was one version, there was a, a director's cut. I remember it being a big deal, this re-release. And right. it was the first time some version of the soundtrack, or it was widescreen or whatever. And that's when I watched it, where it was. It seemed to be everywhere in about 1989. Uh, they re-released the single, Everybody Needs Somebody, and mm. that entered the top ten. And so they sort of, they sort of were reborn I think so I had the soundtrack cassette and I had the live album because I loved the music and I had the VHS and I even had the video game we're super fan basically which I was really looking forward to talking to Alex about the Amiga video game where you wander around to this 8-bit 16-bit blues music and, and what kick is the people. mission you just kick people and stuff i mean that's what every it was a side-scrolling platformer um i feel like alex would have a good story now so yep. shall we pause we, we yeah and then we'll insert it in later. Yeah. yeah, get him on the phone. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was never one of my favourites because it's just such a strange confection. But at the same time, it's not. It's got real watchability about it. It's a bit long. I mean, oh, it's so long. It's it's very long. I mean, it's interesting looking at it from a today's perspective because we talk a lot about, oh, you know, there's um, 
the proliferation of content on streamers and the way that people's attention spans are fractured and people are doing different things when they're watching TV and so that affects dialogue because you need these constant reminders of what's happened in the plot. And then you watch Blues Brothers, which is like 40 years old and that's not threaded together like a film. You're better off doing something else while you're watching it, like drinking, for instance. It's very much, I can see that it would be a a communal experience, but to sit down and watch as a film is pretty hard going when you're used to story. Yeah, and I'm not massively into car crashes. Right, yeah. Or cars. And so when I'm watching it, it's for the live numbers, which yeah. aren't all live, which I'll get into. But yeah, so I, if it's on the telly, I'll, I'll watch two or three of my favourite musical Scenes. numbers. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Right, let's do a bit of background. So it all starts with Dan Aykroyd owning a speakeasy in Toronto called the 505 Club. <laughs> he partied there. He played blues records there. He brought John Belushi there. He got him into the blues because John Belushi did not like blues and soul. He was a heavy metal guy. Makes sense. So Yeah, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> so he got Danny into uh, heavy metal and Danny got him into the blues. And they came up with these characters uh, just to jam with each other and their friends, but also to serve as a warm-up act at Saturday Night Live. And so it evolved. Um, they started um, playing clubs uh, as these characters and people loved them so they worked on the music um, Carrie Fisher was a guest host uh, on Saturday Night Live and she she was dating Dan Aykroyd at the time and she said I want my musical guest to be the Blues Brothers and they went down a storm there it sort of exploded and then Steve Martin asked them to open for him at some um, live gigs he had huge gigs he had I think they were maybe at the Hollywood Bowl and they turned that live act that they did that night into an album that became one of the best selling blues albums of all time Right, and so this turned them suddenly into this viable entertainment act and so they worked with Saturday Night Live band leader Paul Schaefer uh, they got their soul session friends together and it sort of legitimised them so this is how the music is described right. by Dan Aykroyd and the people who are in the band fatback Memphis rhythm with slick New York horns um, it's not Delta Blues it's Chicago electrified urban blues fused with Memphis stacks um, <laughs> little inside baseball but fine. sure but I'm getting out there yeah. John Landis reckons they're the best blues review uh, band after the blues uh, James Brown and Tina Turner's bands and the album was so successful they felt like they owed something to the artists they were copying yeah. so, which I think is fair so we'll talk about whether they were stealing or mm. celebrating or actually helping but it was a sort of perfect storm uh, because the album was number one yeah. in the blues charts um, Saturday Night Live was pretty much the coolest number one show and Animal House was the number one independent movie comedy of all time and so suddenly Universal Pictures realised we could have a hit on our hands we own all these things here so let's put them all together and it came together very quickly uh, they got a development deal and a release date okay. uh, within a year but there was no script so uh, Dan Aykroyd came up with a backstory for these characters with John Belushi and John's wife, Judy Belushi. And then he um, went away and wrote it up. And he said, I didn't write a script. I wrote a volume. Mm. 324 pages, Mm. Vicky. Egregious. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't care because I love him. Uh, it's just different times, isn't it? Where you can just turn in. Like, did it, is it true you've like presented it in the yellow pages? Yes. It was that ginormous. Yeah, he packaged it in a phone book. So um, he knows, it, he knows it's not on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and how this, I, I, I wasn't able to find this script. I don't think it is out there. But the idea was each member was recruited individually. Mm. And it was like each member of the band had their own movie. 
which I get. And, you know, I guess John Landis just collapsed it all into like, we'll go to two places and pick up the band and we're off. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Landis said it was pretty incoherent. But by this point, Landis knew what he was doing. And so, yeah, turned it into a workable script. Um so lots of these musical acts in the film were not working much at the time and they were keen to do it to help relaunch them. So, yeah, cultural reappropriation or, um, you know, is it about celebrating it and giving these guys a second lease of life? Yeah. I mean, apparently, according to Landis, Ray Charles was the only one who was selling records out of everyone that's in this film. And that's because he was doing country and western at the time. <laughs> right. So soul, blues, whatever, you, whatever music genre they were doing was not really selling much um and to be fair like the backing band of the blues brothers um were part of booker t and the mg so they came up with some of the riffs in this film themselves mm-hmm. um and so yeah the, it's it, it's whether it's appropriation or are they sh- using their celebrity to shine a spotlight if everybody's getting paid yes then it's less appropriate isn't it yep. because the appropriation it would be more stark if you like cut them out and you're like we're the two people at the front we get all the attention yep. we get all the money if everyone, I don't know if it was an equal share or whatever, but that's one step forward. Well, I, I don't think it was equal share on the film. They were all paid to be in the film, but the soundtrack was a big deal. Yeah. And they're all on the soundtrack. And I think, I, I, I don't know, Aretha Franklin's my favourite singer. I was wondering, was this my way into Aretha Franklin? It might have been. Um, I'm sure for other people it was. Maybe Ray Charles and I don't know. But it's... um. What's interesting, though, is that soundtrack. Uh, there was a race issue with this film once it was finished. So exhibitors, cinema exhibitors, reckoned no white audiences would come, so wouldn't program it. And then other exhibitors didn't want black audiences in their cinemas, so didn't program it. Oof, okay. And then the other issue with it um, was um, John Lee Hooker, who sings Boom, 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 early in the film. He's the only one that isn't on the soundtrack because the producer of the soundtrack said he was too old and too black. Yikes! Yeah. Okay. And so, as John Landis said, these things, these three things completely shocked us and came out of nowhere once we'd finished the film. We thought we had this great multicultural film, yeah. and yet there's these issues. They hadn't calculated for racists. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Shit! <laughs> uh, but it didn't matter, because the film was a big hit. Yes. You know, I, I thought it was more of a cult hit, but it did make a lot of money, and it certainly the film that's not gone away. Mm. I mean, that cult aspect of it, I think it was in space or something. They said that every, in the 90s and the 80s, like every student had one of the blues. It was the big blue, Betty Blue or the Blues Brothers. <laughs> you had true. you had one of those posters on your wall. You knew who you were getting into <laughs> yeah, bed with, yeah. depending on that poster. Yeah, my, Betty Blue, fucking hell, yeah, that's a memory. Yeah. <laughs> my brother had Blues Brothers though. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't into it enough. But, um, God, yeah, I love, what did I end up with? I ended up with um, the Three Colours trilogy. That blue, that's the one I ended you know, Did that you? was my boyfriend. I've yeah. never seen him. So, yeah, we're fine. That'll I mean, be a fun week. Yeah. We rarely do three films <laughs> yeah. in a week. Let's but... triple threat that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's pretty much the background. A lot more to say, but we'll talk about that when we get into it. So should we do the movie? Yeah. So we start with quite a lengthy shot of an industrial cityscape. Yeah. There's fire. It's pretty much the start of Blade Runner. <laughs> Yeah. Don't know where it's that good comes to see from. where some of the money was spent. Yeah. Let's put it that way. I think, to be fair, the, a lot of the money's on the screen. What money didn't go on drugs well, Kendi, is on the yeah, screen. The beginning yeah. is ambitious and the scope and it's cinematic yeah. and the end is fantastic. There's a lot of cars that get trashed in this film. <laughs> it's a record a, amount and a, of cars. A lot of streets that got shut down. Yeah. Um, but we're in Chicago. Uh, Jake Blues, played by John Belushi, is being released to his brother, Elwood, uh, played by Dan Aykroyd. This seems to take forever. But is it on... Is it comical? Because it gets... Obviously, I know what a big star 
where he was. Yeah. And so you do withhold the reveal of your big star's face for as long as you can. But it gets to be, it's like 25 minutes, not yeah. 25 minutes. It's you know lasts I mean? too long. So, but is that, is that a joke? As in, is it meant to make me laugh? Because it's like you've, take, you've, you've played with the form of that trope. I don't I know. I feel like it's it's a building of their myth mythos. Okay, it's sort of you're building up who they both are, and then you're getting little bits of the outfit. And yeah, then, and you get his hands. Yeah, <laughs> you get everything apart from the face. <laughs> you get the reveal. The it, Frank Oz giving him the soul con yeah. dog. But you get the suit, the hat. I feel like it's myth making. And Elwood's waiting in his police car, and and it's a very cool reveal of the pair. It could have could have happened five minutes quicker uh, and then they drive off in the bluesmobile while, while she caught the Katie plays god that's a good song yeah it's brilliant I was listening to the original the way here by Taj Mahal this is better than his version yeah um, uh, Elwood jumps a bridge in the bluesmobile mm-hmm. uh, so it's telling us that he's this genius driver <laughs> um, and they visit the penguin um, the archbishop's going to sell off the orphanage they grew up in and they need five thousand dollars there's a lot of swearing here, isn't there? There is a lot of swearing. But what, it's such a kind of a family film. Yeah. No, it's kind of. Um, yeah, y- y- you've got swearing and violence. Yeah. None on, none on man violence. She kicks the <laughs> crap out of them, basically. These thieves with filthy mouths and bad attitudes. It's quite funny. She's very good. It's brilliant. Um, she, she's played by a woman called Kathleen Freeman, who says that not a day goes by where someone doesn't shout penguin at her. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I guess this is their redemption. Is this a redemption story? I couldn't really understand no. why they're doing what they're doing. Having just said about fractured attention spans, I needed a bit of hand-holding because you've said they've got this whole backstory, but I've just met them. But in sort of 15 minutes, all that's happened is one of them has been released from prison. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. So they grew up in an orphanage, a nunnery or whatever, and it's like, oh, that's a lot of information. I kind of needed a bit of grounding. As I, I maybe needed someone to say very quickly, we grew up here and we love these people and we'd do anything for them. 100% agree. Yep. Yep. Left to our imagination. That yeah. was probably in the 324 pages that Dan Aykroyd yeah. sent over. And you got to cut something. I know that Belushi's wife did write a book around the time that gave you the background of everyone. I think he used a lot from that script to sort of like a, almost like a Blues Brothers scrapbook. But right. put it in the movie. <laughs> cut, cut, out one of the, cut out one of the musical numbers. Yeah. I'm going to say they're not all good. Uh, but we get one now, a gospel number, not blues. It's called the Blues Brothers. What is blues? <laughs> I don't think gospel is. Maybe it is. Um, James Brown's singing live here. Yeah. He's one of the only people singing live in the movie uh, did you spot Chaka Khan in the background <laughs> it's only after I was told to look right for it. yeah I oh, she looks great um, so this is a scene where and we'll get into this now um, John Belushi was coked out of his mind mm. on the set of this so he's doing the flips for real <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe um, this is a day where John Landish threw away Belushi's cocaine and they had a massive row um, it's, it, I mean, what are you going to do with someone that's that drug addicted? If you say, if, if you go, oh, have you thrown my coke away? Well, I'm clean then. <laughs> like, are yeah. you just going to go and buy more coke? Well, what happened is they had a row in the streets outside the set or the church. And in the middle of this row, he said, Belushi just put his thumb up to hitchhike. A car pulled up with some student in. Right. Said, you're John Belushi. Yeah. And went off to the Chateau Marmont together to party. Okay. So you couldn't win. No. <laughs> um, but... Um, yeah, it's another day on the set. They couldn't find John and he was tired. They were they were on location in a street. He just got up the road, knocked on a door, 
said he was hungry and tired, went in the house, made himself a sandwich, and then went to sleep on the guy's couch. Right. Uh, you know, he, they called him America's house guest at the time, John Belushi. <laughs> and it's kind of funny, but equally, we it's, know that he yeah. dies soon after this. It's sad, and, and, yeah. and And Landis says it was scary and it was dangerous and it was heartbreaking. And in his belief, Belushi isn't his best in this film. He said the Belushi at Animal House was a much more energetic performer than some of the scenes here where I see that it's not the real John. Yeah, you, he looks like someone who is kind of over the crest in terms of losing that battle. Mm. So on the downward slide, I yeah. think. And it, that is really sad. Yeah. It's, all, it's only funny, all of it, if you come out the other side of it and you you know, you, t- you use it as an anecdote. I mean, it's a bit dark, but, yes. but it isn't funny. No. I mean, it's part of the reason, not the only reason, part of the reason they wear sunglasses for the whole movie. Oh, really? Because their eyes have disappeared, basically. Oh, no. Um, So Jake sees the light. Uh, The band uh, literally sees the light. And they decide to put the band back together, literally. Great. Uh, Police chase. Yeah. Uh, they trash a mall. It goes on for ages. Yeah. This is the Dixie Mall in Illinois that had been closed for a year. Um, everyone in there is a stunt person, which I'm pleased about because how did people not die in this scene? <laughs> when yeah. you're watching them drive and people jump out of the way, it's I can't believe my eyes. Yeah. Uh, did you spot John Landis? He's in one of the cars. No. He's one of the troopers. Right. Yep. Um, the c- a car that ends up uh, upside down. Um, but yeah, it's like... You think you know what the film is, and then suddenly, well, this is a complete. This is Smokey and the Bandit. Suddenly, mm. I guess. I guess thinking about it now, they're cashing in on that success as well. But I'm into the music. I'm not into the cars. Yeah, I like. It's got a good story engine. I love get the band back together to save the orphanage. That's all good. But it's like oh, I'm in a car chase for no reason. Yes, that's all. Yeah, because it's all to be parking tickets and traffic tickets. Mm. Um, so uh, Carrie Fisher shows up. The rocket launcher. Uh, someone on the behind the scenes documentary said they reckon that this film is where it all started for her as well her problems yeah being around these people I, I don't know if that's true or not or yeah. whether she was partying hard before this but um, we'll get back to Carrie Fisher because she's going to show up again <laughs> uh, Elwood lives in a tiny room on a train track that's very funny it is yeah yeah uh, yeah. Um, John Candy shows up yeah um, no scenes with the Blues Brothers Oh yeah, he's, like he—he's across from them, but it's a shame actually. Looking back, that there's not scenes where they're sharing the screen mm. together. Mm. Uh, Murph and the Magic Tones. Um, so these are who I talked about earlier, members of the Saturday Night Live band, the Booker T and the MGs. These are some of the best musicians of the era playing in this band. Um, they say he that Jake owes them money. Uh, Elwood says Jake owes everyone money, and we learn that Jake was locked up for sticking up a gas station to pay them the money he owes. Although, actually, no, he, he was locked up to cover roof surface charges that he'd done. <laughs> um, but that's good because I think it's useful to know why he was in prison. And like, it's for, like, for a good reason. Yeah. Kind of thing. But Ca- not, but... Yeah, no. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to pay his bar tab. Yeah. There's nothing, nothing that would make you feel squeamish. No. And this is the first time we hear that we're on a mission from God, which is obviously the famous catchphrase from this film. Um, they go to a restaurant, says Paul. I love this. Uh, with a maitre d'. Do you? Yeah, I like the fact that uh, Mr. Fabulous is the maitre d' because the setup is he's playing he's playing music for money. So when he's there and he's like he's the maitre d', I just thought that's a fun a fun reverse. Sure, sure. Uh, Pee Wee Herman serves them. Yeah, Paul Rubens. It just again, this feels like it's an outlier. This feels like literally a Saturday Night Live sketch of yeah. two people in a restaurant. Most of it does uh, being rude. Uh, I think it's quite funny how much for the women sell me your children. Yeah. I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, there's some Nazis. 
Yeah. Thoughts he, about the Nazis? I don't have... I, I, I like seeing Henry Gibson always. Yeah. That's it. Those are my thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's a bit ahead of its time because we're seeing this on the news quite a lot, people like this now. Sure. Uh, They're they're the American Socialist White People's Party, which is called Trump's Republican Party now, I believe. (laughs) A little rebrand. Bit of politics. (laughs) Um, They drive the uh, Nazis off a bridge. Then we get our second number, Boom Boom by John Lee Hooker. This is blues. Mm Mm-hmm. We haven't got many blues songs in this film, I don't think. This is a blues song. Uh, but as I said, he was the only artist who was, who was not allowed to be on the soundtrack, which That's is absolutely shocking. heartbreaking. I'm going to take a break now, but when we come back, we're going to talk about Aretha. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So we're back. The boys head to a cafe. Um, Elwood orders dry toast. <laughs> Jake funny. wants four fried chickens and a Coke. I do think that's funny, the order. And they're ordering that food from Aretha Franklin. 
who sings the song Think <laughs> Soul, not blues. Uh, what do you think of this scene? Uh, it's fine. Like I, I love her, yeah, and I love the song. Yes, uh, but it's all you know. In, in a way, it allows my attention to legitimately wander because it's a musical number, so it's okay. I don't have to concentrate super hard. I was quite grateful for that. Uh, she is miming here. Okay. Uh, John Lannis said that's because um, she's a rubbish singer. <laughs> well, he said that she's never sung a song the same way twice and doesn't know how to. Oh, okay. <laughs> which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Um, also, uh, it's just an issue with technology as well. It's, I mean, it's obviously Rita Franklin can sing live, and you'd rather she sings live, but it's it's quite hard to record live on a set and, and we'll talk about that on Thursday with the commitments where they, they had a system in place that allowed them to do that so there are only two performances in this whole film that are live um, they head to a uh, so sorry they pick up their saxophonist cook um, he keeps his sax in the kitchen mm-hmm. that seems dangerous to me <laughs> Um, and then they head to a music store uh, where Ray Charles is uh, blind because Ray Charles is blind, but he's shooting at children. Um, <laughs> and then it's just, I love how contrived this film is. I mean, it had a script, obviously, but the characters literally say to him, tell me a little about this electric piano. <laughs> and Ray Charles sits at the electric piano and starts playing. Um, he sings Shake a Tail Feather, not blues. Um, so we've got choreographer Carlton Johnson did... Uh, oversaw the dancing in this so there's amateur dancers in the street doing this sequence John Landis said that was a mistake this was a nightmare to shoot any other scene in the film they're not amateurs so they they shot the gospel scene after all professional dancers because he said this just looks like a mess but I think it looks like fun I think it looks real it's natural isn't it as real as it can yeah Yeah. but um yeah, do you like how we feel about the Ray Charles scene? Look, once again, it's a, a, a very fine scene, but I'm really keen to get on with the story. Like, where is the... We don't have the band, we don't have the gig, but it's OK, because my attention is wandering, I'm getting a bit bored, and then Carrie Fisher turns up with a flamethrower. Sure. So it's fine. So I think top five singers for me of all time, Aretha's number one, Ray Charles in the top five. So I definitely like this 15 minutes. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm into it. Um, but they need a gig. Um, someone says, who are you going to call? Who are you going to call? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Imagine my delight. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit early, but it's fine. <laughs> um, they, get, they get their uniforms. They, yeah, they, you, as you said, carry flame flow as a phone box. Uh, they survive it. It's, yeah, it, we're, we're just, it's, it's, um, meandering. What, uh, yeah, uh, and, and it's like, it's a cartoon, isn't it? It's Looney Tunes because they're being killed and yet they're surviving. And yeah. it's, it's sort of larger than life. I just, I don't know what I'm watching. They head to Bob's Country Bunker where they pretend to be a band called the Good Old Boys. Um, at this bar, they play country and western. Um, <laughs> they try to sing Gimme Some Lovin', not blues. Uh, they get balls thrown at them through chicken wire. And so they play the theme from Rawhide, mm. not blues. Uh, the place goes nuts. This is one of the most memorable scenes I think in the film just the idea of the chicken wire and the guys in the country and western bar where they're going to die if they don't get it right yeah the chicken wire is a lot of fun uh, stand by your man not blues yeah a uh, bit out of their vocal range but that goes down well with the locals and then they do a reprise of Rawhide mm-hmm. which reminds me of a gig I went to in the 90s Vicky right uh, do you remember the band ABC no that's the look that's the look yes the look <laughs> so the lead singer was Martin Fry 
And he'd always wear a gold lame suit in the 80s in the videos and the live performances. Uh-huh. So in about 99, 98, Martin Fry was playing at Brannigan's in Croydon. Right. So I went down. It was five crown a ticket. I went down with Danny Grimes on a Thursday night. Grimesy. Yeah, Grimesy. <laughs> we thought this would be a laugh. So he comes out in his gold lame suit still. Yeah. 30 years later. Um, he's got a backing track. Just him on his own. He sings The Look of Love. Everyone goes nuts. Then he does a song called Poison Arrow. People clap. Not as much. (laughs) And then he goes, anyone want to hear Look of Love again? And everyone goes, yeah! He sang it. He did it three times. I never said it like it. But you know what? It was brilliant. It'd be like, and I have seen Chesney Hawks. If Chesney Hawks did 10 different songs, you'd be like, "Uh, can you do do, do one and only three times? So yeah, that was my sort of rawhide experience. Uh, They drive off. We see an advert in the background. See you next Wednesday. Do you know about See You Next Wednesday? No, I don't. So that is, there are posters for fake movies called See You Next Wednesday in every single John Landis movie. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a line from uh, 2001, uh, A Space Odyssey. Uh, uh, It's it's the name of the porn film in American Wealth in London. So I don't know if it kept on that episode. But yeah, Coming to America, it's in everything. So you can always always spot that. Uh, They're going to hire the Palace Hotel Ballroom, but they're running out of gas they go to a gas station where twiggy rocks up needing gas so weird elwood proposition sir yeah i just wrote them what the fuck <laughs> all i can think is wasn't twiggy big in the 60s she was so this is quite a long time after yeah i mean she's never really gone away but she certainly wasn't selling magazines as no, much or as marks well. and spencer's jeans exactly that's just so she true. made her return um all i can think is a producer really wanting to sleep with twiggy sure or was sleeping with twiggy yeah it's of its time. Yes. The proposition, let's say that. Sure. Uh, well, I mean, to be fine. just says I'm going to be at this hotel. Yeah. That's allowed. It's, I like the button on it. I thought it was funny that she actually goes. She does That's go. That's really funny. Um, d- now, I can't remember, even though I only watched this two weeks ago. Go does on. the gas station explode here? Oh, my God. I don't know. Because... It's, it's, it's very telling that you can ask that question in a film like this and we don't know. Because... Lots of stuff got cut from this film, believe it or not. Yeah. This was a much longer film that John Landis thought was better. And he said a deleted scene that got cut here was them spilling petrol, dropping a cigarette and the place exploding behind them, which was the point of that scene. I don't remember. Uh, because they wouldn't, they don't notice that they've blown up a... No? Okay, well, if it's in there, I don't know why I've just described it for you. If it isn't, you'll know why that scene was there. They just cut it at the wrong time right so we got the gig and everyone all the characters we've met the nazis the police the bands they're all congregating here at this time uh but rather than get into the gig we stop so that cab calloway can sing mini the mooch which is fine i mean no, no sorry it's more than fun it's one of the best bits of the whole film it's not blues yeah it is it is but it, it completely slows the film down when we need the momentum of the finale and not to do this but I'll do it anyway you can't have your two heroes dual protagonists dual protagonists whatever we call them not get to the gig because they ran out of petrol I know that their their, um, enthusiasm for a car chase is what's led to them running out of petrol but it has to be it's a flaw in their character that's like screenwriting day one kind of thing you can't just have something like that that prevents them from getting there even if you want to give time for Minnie the Moocher, which I do understand. To be fair, this was Dan Aykroyd's day one of 
script writer. That's so true. This was his first and it is day. unusual that on your first day someone goes, we'll make that. Yeah. Not a problem. Yeah. <laughs> this makes no sense, but we will shoot it. Um, so uh, a funny aspect of this is Cab Calloway fell out with John Landis. They had a big row. Right. Because um, he just recorded a disco version of Minnie the Moocher. Really? And he said, we're doing that. Because whatever, it's 1980 and, and Land- 1979. And Landis no was like, no, that. we want that. This is all about celebrating the classics. Yeah. And Calloway did not want to do the original. Apparently, every sort of five years, he'd re-record it as to whatever the music craze was at the time. There's like a rumba version and a twist version. Brilliant. And so, yeah, we nearly got a disco. <laughs> we need a moocher here. But Landis eventually convinced him. And it, it, again, it reinvigorated his career. Yeah. Um, I like the fact John Candy, who's after them, wants to hear them sing at this point. Yeah. Uh, although it does remind me of those military police who wanted Tom Hardy to fight in Warrior. And we were like, no, <laughs> no, you don't just let the show go on if you're there to arrest the person. That's so true. They're like, all right, at the end. <laughs> Not a problem. <laughs> Although at least this is a comedy. We'll let them off. It's, 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 it's less incongruous than Bloomin' Warrior. And then we get the Blues Brothers. So this is the Blues Brothers act that they come out on stage after a big build-up. and Do um, a bit of a dance. Well, no. First, you've got the ha- the, the, the briefcase handcuffed to his wrist. Yeah. And he's, the other one's got the key and take it out and brings out the harmonica. Wow. And then, uh, yeah, they do a little dance. What do you think of their dancing? I think they've got a very long way on being able to do a few little shuffles. No, yep. it's fun to watch. It's very satisfying to watch. Yeah, I think more for it... Dan Aykroyd because I'm just I'm bringing all of that on at all of the Ghostbusters. Every time the man opens his mouth and says anything, I'm in raptures. Like even there's an, a line earlier which is not funny, and he just someone's like, "Who are you with the police?" No, man, we're musicians because it's that in his voice. Yeah, and it's the Ghostbusters feelings for me. I'm like, that's fucking hilarious, and it just can't be that. Funny. Um, I like watching them have a bit of a shuffle around, but I don't think it's anything that special. Probably was, at the time, it felt incredible. Well, I don't think it's that special. I just think it walks that fine line between being nearly good... Yes. ...but also funny. Like, they're funny... But it's kind of it's kind of cool. It's dream dancing for me because you're walking that line of like, yeah, I know I'm no good. I'm secretly a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's exactly what they do. Yeah, because when if I go onto a dance floor, I think I'm brilliant. I'm obviously not. That's embarrassing for everyone. But if you've managed to perfect the technique, where you're like, it looks like I'm not trying, but I've got something. But that's what they that's what they do in the whole film, isn't it? By 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 not reacting to anything and just being completely deadpan the whole time. Yeah, actually. It's quite impressive how quick they're when moving. When they move, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yet the top half is completely cool and they're singing the song. Yeah, so I, is that the secret? You sit in the pub, don't move, you don't speak, tune comes on, do a little bit of shuffling around. If you did that, I would be well into Can it. Can you imagine? <laughs> what but, a different night you But had. I'm also watching it thinking this would be one of the great gigs you'd ever see. Yeah. If the, you know, Belushi is a good singer. Aykroyd obviously isn't, but he can play the harmonica. But the band's amazing and Belushi is good enough. And then you, the, the combination of the songs and then the dancing. I think yeah. you've got a hell of a gig. But also the, the crowd is so warm to them as well. Like yes. They, everybody loves these guys. And in real life, they love them, didn't they? Yes. So yeah. it's, you know, those vibes. I'm, I'm impressed that the crowd can get that into it when they're surrounded by people with shotguns. <laughs> um, they sing Sweet Home Chicago. This is blues. Yay! Um, and then uh, they go backstage and they receive a $10,000 advance on their record contract. Yeah, so this is confusing. Yeah, t- talk to me about it because I, I have answers for you. So they're, they're given ten grand, but they, yeah. they need five. And then he says, here's 1400 give it to the band. So and also they're getting the cover charge for the gig. So there's a lot of different amounts. And they've of money. got to pay for the they've got to pay for the instruments as well. Yeah. So there's just a lot of different amounts flying around. For my simple brain, you need someone to go. There's five grand. Yeah. And then 
Did you think this guy was a good actor who pays them the money? No, is he a real person? He's a real person. So, uh, when they were putting the Blues Brothers together and they were doing these Steve Martin gigs, they were rehearsing one day and an A&R man was there, went up to them and gave them a record contract on the spot. Right. This is the guy okay. that in real life gave them the record contract. They phoned him up and said, can you do that again in our See, film? This is why it's a private party. This yeah. film is an injure. You could have cast an actor. You should. Or you could have cast Bill Murray or whatever. Or the like, world's most recognisable A&R man yeah, or whatever. Yeah, but yeah. Not but some bloke. I'm Barry Gordy from, from Motown. <laughs> Here's 10,000. Yeah, like... Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> but no. No. It's just a huge in-joke. But it's fine because they're going to end up in a sewer uh, where She's got a machine gun and keeps missing them. Uh, she stayed celibate for him. Um, he stood her up at their wedding. Yeah. Uh, he apologises, begs for her forgiveness, kisses her, drops her. Pushes her. Yeah, pushes her down. I mean, she might deserve it. I can see why she he might have run out on her. Right. Because this is a very extreme reaction, isn't it? To being stood up. I think it's the celibacy that's got to with them. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Uh, and as, as I say, it's ironic. She was engaged to Dan Aykroyd at this point in time. Yeah. Um, Elwood says, it's 106 miles Chicago. We've got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark and we're wearing sunglasses. Lovely stuff. John Landis. John Landis claims a lot. Have you got the the sense of him over the films we've done with him? He's he's not short of an ego. He's not, but he looks like such a cuddly, nice man. Yeah, I've met him. Is he not? I I was very excited to meet this cuddly, nice man. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was very disappointed. You're always disappointed. Have you ever... Was, had... I love everyone, but he was very prickly. He's a very prickly guy. He doesn't listen to you. He talks over you. And he does things like claiming that he came up with the sunglasses line. That was all him. Uh, do you know, it's, uh, you know, we talk a lot about like the, when a, a line is good, it's the the cadence of it and the... the... What's, what am I trying to say? The rhythm of yeah. that line. And it is, it is professionally written. Yeah, yeah. But um, what were you going to ask me? I was going to ask you if you... If anyone you've into, I think you sometimes you're disappointed because you have you're not that your expectations of them as a human are high, but you just have a lot of love for them. Yes. So then you go in to see them, and they're a normal person, or they're grumpy, or they're tired, or they're pissed yeah, off, or sure, whatever, sure. and they're a pain in the ass. But have you ever been to interview someone who, where your expectations were quite low, and they completely superseded all your expectations? Yes. Are you allowed to say who it was? No, I've got to try and think. Who I've got to try and remember. <laughs> it's happened a few times. Let me think and come yeah. back to it. Someone that you were going in there being like, oh, I can't be arsed, and you walked away being like, that person is incred. I tell you what, do you want to know the time I got the really starstruck and I wasn't expecting it? Because I was just so not bothered. Oh my God, I could guess. Uh, wait, are they British? <laughs> yeah, I don't think you'll guess Burn it. Vernon Kay. <laughs> oh my God, you nearly got it. You, you nearly got it? it because it's someone who randomly made a film. It's two people who made a film. And I... Danny Dyer. I was not that bothered about meeting them. But then when I got in the room, because they'd been around on my telly since I was a kid, because um, we were about the same oh age... Oh my God, Brothers. No, oh. I, dr- I drank with them. Oh yeah, you they, were, they were laugh in the mo- in a morning. We drank whiskey before lunch. Um, and and Deck, really? Yeah, they made a film called Alien Autopsy. I went there to interview them, thinking whatever. And I walked in the room, and suddenly my brain's going, "Fucking hell, Chris! It's Ant and Deck!" And I couldn't quite believe I was sitting with them. There's a girl. At, I'm smiling because there's a girl at work. She loves them so much. Like her life's ambition. She met one of them once. I can't remember yeah. which one. And it was the best day ever. Like she, her love for them is so sweet. Yeah. It makes me think that they are super sweet. Yeah. Oh, they are. No, they were great. They were really not. Yeah, we talked about football. It was fine. Um, Brian May was better than I was expecting. Yeah, I would expect him to be thorny. Yeah, not yeah. at all. Really warm. Uh, that was a, that was for uh, Flash Gordon. I spoke to him, and yeah, he was really lovely. And at the end, he offered me tickets, to, three tickets for his, his box at We Will Rock You. All right. Didn't bother. <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, no, do you know 
what? It's been lovely talking to you, but no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say no. Um, so no, I'm busy. When is it? <laughs> <laughs> um, so we have a big highway chase. Uh, there's a pileup of state trooper cars. Um, I don't know. Did it feel to you like the film should have ended with the concert rather than it, as chase? It's as usual with something that you're building up to the gig. Yeah, yeah. yeah the chase so, should have been before the concert, maybe. Yeah, to get to the concert. Yeah, fair enough. Because yeah. then it's against all odds and the moment of victory when they burst on stage and all the rest. Yeah, of that it. could have been their delay. Was yeah. this chase it's rather the same than in the petrol. commitments though? Like you, you should have, you should have ended there, kind yeah. of thing. I just, I was a bit like, oh no, because why would we not end there? But the car chase is so fun and entertaining that again cancels it all out. I, I wrote down, I, I, they shouldn't have sped up the footage. It looks unrealistic. Apparently not. <laughs> I then watched the documentary. Um, it looked like speeded up footage. They were going so fast. So they reshot it with people on the street, either side, stunt people, so that you could see that this was like happening in real time, real, the way they yeah. were walking. Uh, again, I can't believe people didn't die. But this is where some of the costs of this film were skyrocketing. They had to have PAs at every street crossing. Because it's a big, long road mm. stopping people from crossing the road every time they shot it. So, yeah, it was carnage. Mm. Carnage. Oh, nice. Thanks. Sorry. Miles away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Nazis show up to Ride of the Valkyries. Yeah. Uh, they head towards a road under construction. <laughs> I'm thinking they're going to do Thelma and Louise here before <laughs> Thelma and Louise. Oh, God, it Would have been a good ending. Yeah. And they probably could have survived because it's a mission from God. <laughs> uh, but they don't. They flip backwards and fly over the Nazis. Um so this is the word I was trying the phrase I was trying to think of earlier magical realism there's quite a lot of okay, that in this film that's fair um, and this is actually explained in the original script and they even shot this so there was a scene that they cut that explains how the bluesmobile has special powers and at night they leave it in a garage where it's above an electrical transformer that hums and makes it magical uh, they shot this scene I've watched the scene it's like well I'm watching it not thinking the car's getting magical powers. No. I don't know why my brain would think that. No. And yeah, just as, you know, the film was too long, so they cut that out. But yeah, the idea is this is a magic car. Great. Yeah. I love magic cars. <laughs> it's essentially Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. <laughs> uh, the Nazis um, don't do a backflip and get dropped from a great height. This is another crazy thing. So they literally dropped a car mm. from a helicopter mm-hmm. And John Landis was saying that um, they had to get some kind of special permit to prove... They had to test this out. I fucking hope so. To prove <laughs> that the car wouldn't turn into some kind of craft that moves, that, that it couldn't get caught by the wind and drift and therefore land on someone. They wow. had to prove that the car would just go straight down, that it wasn't effectively an aircraft if it was dropped from that height. Well, thank God for civic checks and balances, yeah. Chris, <laughs> to be honest. Thank God. So they go to the Cook County Assessor's office. I yeah. like it... In Films where they make out something is something that everyone knows, and yeah, like, we don't know what that <laughs> is, do we? <laughs> it sounds good though. Um, uh, they arrive just as the police, the fire brigade, and the army with a tank show up. Yeah, a lot of money being spent here a in central downtown Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, even more money being spent on the Cook County Assessor, uh, who is played by Steven Spielberg. <laughs> Are you happy with that? I guess. Yeah. Who knows? Who you know what? Ten-year-old me, I think I was probably ten when I first watched this, it was quite exciting to see Steve, because I knew what he looked like, and yeah. it's quite exciting to see him, Yeah. but it's, I guess, a bit pointless. Uh-huh. It's like people having their own private party. Yep. Uh, they pay the debt, they get arrested, uh, they end up in prison where they sing Jailhouse Rock, Lovely. which isn't blues, um, <laughs> and then everyone's singing Jailhouse Rock over the end credits, even the crew. Yep, love it. That's nice. Yeah. So this isn't where the story of the Blues Brothers ended. Um, I found out in 1997 there was a cartoon made 
um, where the Blues Brothers were voiced by Jim Belushi and Peter Aykroyd, uh, their brothers. Right. Uh, Tim Curry also appeared. Is it for kids? Yes. Okay. Never aired. Oh, shit. It got made. Never aired. Sure. <laughs> uh, because maybe they, they, they put a stop to it because in 1998 we got the sequel. Did we? Did you not know about this? No. Well, I, I remember when this came out. I was old enough by this point. In 1998, we got Blues Brothers 2000. It was a monumental flop. Okay. John Landis says, uh, don't watch the film by the soundtrack, and he directed it. Did he? But they replaced... Um, it's, it's Dan Aykroyd again. Right. They replaced uh, John Belushi with John Goodman. Right, yeah. Who can sing and dance, Makes sense. but... It doesn't feel right. And then they had an African-American and a kid. And so the, 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 the Blues Brothers, there's four of them. Okay. And Landis just said, it's the studio said, oh, we need a black person. We need a child. To, so we hit all four quadrants. And it's <laughs> like, he said, they decimated the script. We had no budget. And it was just, it, he said, that he reckons the musical numbers are better, but the film is a disaster. So okay. we watched the right one, basically. Uh, so that's it, Vicky. Good Have you work. got any more to say about the Blues Brothers? I absolutely don't. I just feel bad Alex wasn't here because I think he would have had a lot to say. It's very much his sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, it's what, stupid. Stupid, <laughs> yeah. But also he just likes... he. Uh, whereas it makes me frustrated, Yes. he can appreciate the craft that makes something look disjointed right. is the nicest way I can put yeah. it. Yeah. And he likes... We're going to put words likes, in his mouth yeah, now. He likes, he likes action and noise. And, and he would yeah. much more into these car chases than me mm. I was expecting him to sort of us to argue but no no sadly not what's your favourite scene Vicky the car chase at the end uh, adding all the hardware I even like it when there's bolts and horses although they're not hardware and especially dropping the Nazi car I like it I just couldn't believe they dropped a car that high for real but they did okay yeah I just don't care I wish I cared about those things what's wrong with me you don't like driving no and you know we, I guess I talked about it on Fast and Furious as well just not into it all <laughs> no. uh, I like Think by Aretha Franklin yeah because she's my favourite singer <laughs> and I wish she was singing live but like I think it's fun watching her dance with the women behind her one of whom's her sister and then the guys get involved and it's it's such basic steps but it's just fun um, who's your most valuable whatever uh, Cab Calloway, James Brown, Aretha Franklin, Rachel's, and John Lee Hooker. Uh, those people, those famous people singing the music that I like. Yes. That's it. Yes. Uh, I've written down Aretha Franklin because she's my favourite singer. Yay! <laughs> um, and what would you change? So it does seem churlish of me, so I'm not going to do it th- th- to say this is... A- is this even a film? Is it even a series of sketches? It's a, it's a coke fueled party. Yeah. But anyway... So it could do with some plot and some character action and consequence. Uh, but anyway, I'm not going to do all of that because it's stupid. So I would like them to um, do Mini the Moocher again <laughs> because I really like that bit. Really? I also think Alan Rubin as Mr. Fabulous is so good that even though it's quite a long film, I'd like him to get a bit more, even even more to do. Yeah. Is he the band leader guy? He's the horn man. So yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. In yeah, the yeah. restaurant and things like that. So I just think he's very good and he, he swears quite well. Like when he says the soup is fucking $10, <laughs> I enjoy that enormously. So with Minnie the Moocher, yeah. you'd want that over the end credits. Is that what you're saying? No, I think uh, just in a film that's so unstructured, someone just goes again and they go, yeah, no problem, yeah. and just do it again. So you want it to be longer. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. uh, my change is take Aretha Franklin with you. <laughs> Have you just seen what she's done? Did you just hear that you're all men you need a woman she's yeah. let her sing those are your four quadrants p.s <laughs> i also i was quite surprised that the jailhouse the 
Jailhouse Rock is a song about having a riot in a prison. Yeah. I'm really surprised that Jailhouse Rock doesn't precipitate a riot in the prison and they escape. And they escape, I just yeah. feel like that's the end of that's your film. So true, They're yeah. back out on the streets. Yeah. You know, everyone's driven wild by the rock and roll and bang. Do you know what I thought they were going to do a joke of? When they're in the steam room and they're, I can't remember the man's name, he's like, I can get you the 5,000 seat place. I thought the joke was going to be, it's a prison because you've got guaranteed bums on seats and then they were going to do the gig in prison and then they could, they could break out of prison, yeah. like you just said. Yeah. Better. Better. And that's it. That is the Blues Brothers. Lovely. Um, I had a conversation about yeah. music. We'll save it for next week. Okay. I'm uh, so excited Alex to talk about it. Yeah, I've got a really long list of people's suggestions. <laughs> They're really good. Um, yeah, people have good taste that listen to this podcast, unsurprisingly. Um, so let's look ahead to next week. Um, clue. Mm-hmm. I kind of got clues. They're my choices. Did, have you got a clue? No. Okay. All right, which clue do I go oh, for? Uh, let me, you, no, you go. If I can think of something, I'll let you know. All right. Okay, my clue is, you're not the Messiah. You're a very <laughs> naughty boy. Because <laughs> uh, effectively, we're talking about people with a God complex. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so it, the clue is, you're not the Messiah. You're a very naughty boy. <laughs> right, that's your lot. If you like what you heard, tell a friend. And check us out on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube and the like as what's better than seeing us? Seeing it's us. It's hearing us, obviously. I did it the wrong way around. Yeah. What's better than hearing us? Seeing us. Yeah. Or is it? Oh, <laughs> bollocks. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, all right, that's it. So thanks for listening. And we'll be back on Thursday with The Commitments. Clash of the Titles is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. 
No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.